What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Dishes and Dimes podcast. I'm your host, Christian Oblena, and today is February 8th, Monday afternoon. It is around 4.40 in the afternoon, and we are coming off of an extremely, you know, exciting sports weekend. Uh, We got a lot of NBA on Saturday, and then we had the Super Bowl on Sunday, and as someone who is also a a fan of the NFL, uh, you know, watching that Super Bowl, watching Tom Brady win his seventh Super Bowl uh, with his new team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, in this weird NFL season, and you know, it was hard to really ever doubt that this man would win more championships and to do it this year with this new team and getting to just adjust this whole system and everything it was a joy to watch and you know he didn't have a crazy amazing game you know he didn't light up the cheaps or anything but you know the defense really helped him um the o-line for the chiefs was were, were pretty banged up and it was kind of just a perfect storm for the bucks to blow out the chiefs and it's crazy that they were able to do it um and he has seven rings. So he has more than Jordan. And now, you know, we're talking about the maybe the greatest individual player in a team sport. I know that, you know, if we're talking about greatest athlete ever, you know, there's so many other people that you can name, especially those in 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 solo sports, right? Serena Williams is is the is the athlete that comes out usually that name i mean she's dominating women's tennis and has been for so long right so brady jordan uh bill russell you know these guys that dominate a a team sport uh are just on a crazy level and you know it will always be a debate and his career isn't over. He's going to come back. And it was just a great game. Um, but speaking of the NBA, <laughs> this is an NBA podcast. We had two 50-point uh, performances on Saturday. Both teams uh, lost that game. Uh, Steph Curry drops 57 in an insane kind of frustrating ending for the Warriors there. Uh, the ref missing, you know, the baseline out of bounds off of Kristaps and, you know, Maxi Kleber hits, hits the, the, the dagger at the end of the game there from Luca, uh, Luca and Steph. I mean, that's pretty much what the NBA wanted with that national televised game, right? Uh, both players having an excellent game, uh, one of the best of for Luca and one of the best for Steph just you know showcasing their skills on national television um i i, I predict that there's probably going to be a lot more nationally televised uh Mavs Warriors game as long as those two are playing so um those were that was a great game uh Jokic dropping 50 on the Kings but still losing uh and it was just a great, great sports weekend. So let's get on to this week's NBA news. We have a couple uh, points of 
news here to start out the week. D Rose, Derek Rose was traded from the Detroit Pistons to the New York Knicks. And he's now back with coach Tom Thibodeau. Uh, It was traded for Dennis Smith and a second round pick in 2021. And it's a very marginal trade. You know, it's not, it's nothing close to a blockbuster trade at all. Derek Rose in this different part of his career. Dennis Smith, who was, who was one of the main pieces in the Kristaps Porzingis trade to Dallas. Uh, Dallas is looking like they won that trade, you know, by a landslide. Dennis Smith is someone who hasn't been able to get his career off in the right direction, you know, playing with the rebuilding Mavs and getting traded, obviously, because they have Luka Doncic, uh, not really having an opportunity in, in New York. And now, you know, you know, New York has Alfred Payton and this young guy, Emmanuel Quickly, who has been playing well uh, so far this year. And, you know, he has another chance with this rebuilding Pistons team or this weird Pistons team. You know, he's going to get minutes because Killian Hayes, I believe, is still injured or he's not producing. And they just have a lot of fringe NBA guys, a lot of guys that have been, you know, not very good in the NBA. And so they're just doing this weird project for Detroit, I guess. But uh, nothing's going to change, really. I think now it's more towards the future for the Knicks because, you know, they're in this place where they can, they're competing for a play in tournament and they're competing for a playoff spot. You know, one of the bottom seeds for the East, the bottom of the East is just super wide open, right? And Derek Rose is a guy that could come off the bench. He can get you buckets. Um, that role for them right now is Austin Rivers. And so a lot of, you know, NBA execs, uh, I've, I've been reading that, you know, Austin Rivers is just that next guy that could be traded uh, for a marginal trade, whether it can, whether he can go to, you know, a, a, a contending team that needs a bench score. That's probably, that's probably uh, the only, you know, role he can play at this point. Um, you know who he is. Uh, he knows who he is on the court, right? He's not gonna try and be a star out there. He's just a guy that can play, make, probably create a shot for others, maybe create more, uh, for himself. And, you know, maybe the Knicks can get some assets for him, but you know, it's a very marginal trade and it's crazy that Tibbs, you know, Every place he has coached, every team he's coached, he's always had Derrick Rose, right? He he had Derrick Rose when he was on the Timberwolves. He had him, obviously, you know, with those teams on the Bulls. And he didn't have him when, you know, Rose had that really short stint with that Cavs team in 2018. But throughout all of his career, you know, he's always wanted Derrick Rose on his team, which is really interesting. I, I think... It's it's crazy that, you know, we're always matching, you know, certain players with certain coaches, right? Duncan and 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 Pop, Jordan, you know, Phil, even Kobe and Phil, right? Um, Steph and Steve Kerr. Um, you know, th- those types of Carlisle and and Dirk. Uh, well, I guess I don't know if you 
match those two guys together. But you get the point, right? Is it? It's interesting that even you know post injury and this different version of D Rose that Tibbs still loves coaching this guy and you know says a lot about D Rose and their relationship together. So you know, hopefully D Rose can come into that situation, provide some veteran leadership. Um, and his role is pretty clear on that team is to come off the bench, uh, maybe start for injured players, get some buckets and just be who he is. So a uh, nice little trade there for the Knicks, but, uh, let's get into the next move. We have the net sign Noah Von Ley this morning. Uh, Noah Von Ley, who, you know, last time he was, ever playing was uh last year i believe and he's had a really mediocre nba career thus far he was a lottery pick for charlotte i believe see now now i'm not even remembering because he's just been so out of the league but yeah von lay who, who was a lottery pick who was a one and done was a guy who a lot of people thought was going to be like a like a hardworking energy guy center defensive you know capabilities um but just you know I was looking at uh his basketball basketball reference and it, it's it's really mediocre like it's it's borderline you know G League type stuff his best season was with the New York Knicks in 2019 where he averaged 8.4 points, 7.8 rebounds. He's never averaged um a steal or a block. Uh his best averages for a block was that same same year of his best year. He he averaged 0.8 blocks. Um he's not a guy that is going to anchor a defense. Um so I think the Nets are just signing him for an extra body out there that they can play at, at a big position. You know, they're not, they're not gonna have to rely on KD at the five or, uh, play John Deandre Jordan more minutes, um, or play super small, you know, at least they can throw out Von Lay. Um, I don't think that this is their move to round out this roster. Um, I, I'd like to hope that they have one more move and I, I'm pretty sure they're smart enough to know that, Von Ley is not gonna, you know, give them this new defensive presence, right? I don't think anyone is expecting that from Noah Von Ley. So uh it'll just be interesting to see where they go in the trade market or buyout market, especially um, you know, it, it it's a month off, or this next month or month and a half or so is gonna be huge for the trade market as it's starting. And as you can see from the title of this episode. That's what I'm, what I'm going to be talking about later on. Um, G League news, the NBA G League bubble. If those, if, if anyone didn't know that, you know, the G League is running a their own bubble uh, in Walt Disney World, just like the NBA bubble last year. It starts this week, uh, February 10 to March 6th, and I'll give you a couple of reasons. I'll give you one big reason why maybe you should be paying attention to the G League bubble this year. And that's because of the G League Ignite team, the G League Select team. Now, this team has three 
really big and up and coming prospects, especially in this year's draft. Uh, Jalen Green, Jonathan Kaminga, Isaiah Todd. They even have some interesting vets. Uh, Jared Jack and Amir Johnson is also on this G League team. They're based off of Walnut Creek, California. Shout out Walnut Creek. Um, but this is the pretty much the NBA's project, right? Is to have these G League select teams who have NBA prospects that can, instead of spending one year in college, uh, and we all know how bad college basketball is doing uh, this year, but they have one year of development with NBA pros, some other guys who, you know, are looking to get into the draft or just showcase their skills. And I think it's a really cool project. I, I think it gives a lot more value to the G League. Um, the first game on February 10 is uh, the G League Ignite team against the Santa Cruz Warriors. Uh, it's it's 11 a.m. Eastern, so I don't know if I'm going to wake up at 8 a.m. to watch this game, but I'm really excited to see how this turns out because, you know, if this is really successful, then a lot of high school kids are going to be going straight to the G League and they're going to be able to earn money and also develop their skills with pros and, you know, G League coaches that know how the league is run and learn from vets like Jared Jack and, and Amir Johnson. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see, especially as this month goes on, uh, with the draft coming up, obviously after the season and this draft being looked at as probably one of the best drafts talent wise in a long time, right? A lot of the, I think like all the top five that are projected are, would have pretty much been the number one pick, uh, unanimously this year, which is insane. So, um, it's going to be really cool just to see these guys and how this project kind of works out for the G League because, you know, they can even make more G League developmental teams and it'll just bring more attention to the G League. So, yeah, I think that's really cool. But so the meat of this episode was to talk about some COVID stuff with the NBA and obviously the trade season is starting in the next month and a half or so. Uh, but let's get into this COVID stuff because something really weird happened on Friday or Friday. Yes, Friday. Uh, the Nets and KD. KD originally was not supposed to play in this game against the Raptors because of contract tracing with COVID. Later on in the game, he was actually you know, it deemed that he was able to play. So they brought him off the bench. The first time Katie has ever come off the bench in his career. Um, and then, you know, he played what, what, whatever the game was going on. And then they took him out again for the same, you know, health and safety protocols that they put in place, right. To quote unquote, protect players. And then this whole debacle just snowballed. Uh, Katie was tweeting after the game, you know, free me. Uh, he even quoted the tweet and said, you know, NBA, like your fans aren't stupid. You, your your PR tactics aren't working. And this situation just kind of embodied, you know, what 
the NBA is really about this year. And, you know, whatever they were talking about before the season started with safety protocols and and suspending guys for, you know, being in contact in COVID or breaking protocols and stuff like that. At the end of the day, it's a business to them. And if one of their superstars in the league, like a Kevin Durant, who is up there for MVP voting, who's coming back from an Achilles tear and his and is showing out like he was never injured. If he has a chance to play, especially on a nationally televised game on ESPN, they're going to want the Nets to play him. And again, right, they're even talking about the all-star game being on March 7th. It it just all it it all makes sense. It all ties together, right? Whatever the NBA has been saying about keeping their players safe, they're just gonna keep chugging along. They're just gonna keep going. We've seen it. They postpone games, they let players come back uh after missing a couple games for for COVID then it's right back. And if it happens again, they're going to just go through it again and they're going to miss games. They're going to postpone games. They're going to do all that, but they're not going to, you know, do other things like halt play for a week so that players can stay safe or reset. Right. They're just going to keep going. And I thought that, you know, they wanted to play the all-star game because I thought the stars really wanted to, to do it. Like it seemed like, you know, there wasn't any pushback from the stars until LeBron went out last week and talked about, you know, I have no interest in playing an all-star game. I will be there physically, not mentally. It's just very strong words about how, you know, why is the NBA so, you know, focused on, having all-star weekend and now it's it's not even in indianapolis it's in atlanta instead where you know it's it's not any better covid wise you know uh for safety and i was just thinking like if it was bruce brown on the nets that got contract tracing would the nba be so adamant about playing bruce brown (laughs) i don't think so no i don't think so at all because it was katie and because of the the wishy-washiness i guess for lack of a better term that the nba was pulling that night right with pulling him out and then putting him back in then pulling him out again it just doesn't make sense but actually it makes a lot of sense because the nba is a business and they're gonna want to put their best players out there um it was it's super confusing but at the end of the day, it makes sense because they just want to make as much revenue to make up for all the revenue they lost because of COVID and the bubble and not having fans and everything like that. So they want to have ratings. They want to show the All-Star game. They want to showcase their talent. They want to have people watching because that makes money. And it sucks. It, it, it sucks to know that that's literally the reason why they're pushing for it is because of the money, but that's business that's sports business and it's that situation that happened with the nets is the strongest evidence of the nba really just pushing through any sort of reason any sort of reason to stop games they're not going to do it um it's just a bigger concern for the all-star game because 
if one guy comes in all-star game, you know, test negative, test negative, maybe something happens. Maybe they see someone at the all-star game. Maybe they, they see some friends in Atlanta. Who knows? It could definitely happen with all the stars meeting in one place, right? You're going to have that one guy who just doesn't, you know, who thinks that they're safe, but you know, it just happens. Right. And then if he is in contract tracing coaches, train, uh, you know, training staff, other NBA workers that are going to be at the all-star game at all-star weekend, if it happens, it's such a high risk for such little reward. You know, you're not going to have fans there. No one really cares about all-star weekend. Really? It's not going to be an an entertaining, like a really entertaining game. Guys are just going to be, you know, just out there playing as if it's like practice, right? So, you know, we also have the three-point shooting contest and the dunk contest and whatnot. But, you know, it's not dire. It's not a dire need to have the all-star game, especially with what's going on, especially in the area in which they're putting it on in Atlanta. So it just doesn't make sense, but the NBA is a business. That's what it comes down to. And hopefully if it does happen, that nothing goes wrong. That's pretty much what we're hoping for, right? Uh, But let's move on into trade season. It's starting now. Okay, so trade season is starting, right? We just had... Again, as I mentioned before, D Rose for Dennis Smith and second round pick, a marginal trade, but it'll start to get teams talking. I think even after the Harden trade, right? Teams are reaching out for PJ Tucker, who is another name that I'll bring up uh, in terms of players that you know other teams would want in a trade. Excuse me. Um, along with Eric Gordon, I think right uh he has three years left on his contract but i doubt that the rockets you know actually i don't really know what the rockets are trying to do if they're gonna re-sign victor oladipo uh you know they're they have john wall demarcus cousins christian wood is probably their best contract he's only earning like 13 or 14 million dollars in the next three years uh, which thinking back, like why wouldn't the Pistons just re-sign him? But the Rockets are interesting because I, I'm sure PJ Tucker is gone this trade this trade deadline. I don't know about Eric Gordon because he still has three years left on his contract. He's earning around 18, 19, 20 million dollars a year. Uh, I don't know if that's a contract that people would want right now. Uh, the Magic have interesting. Players, right? Fournier is an expiring contract. The Magic seem like they're not going anywhere. Fultz is injured for the rest of the year. Aaron Gordon, excuse me, is out, you know, for extended period of time, like four to six weeks, I think. They're a team that's always just on the fringe of the NBA playoffs. And with teams like the Hornets and the Knicks and, you know, other teams in the East just getting better, I... It's it's hard to believe that this magic core is ever going to work, especially with all their injuries. So they could be looking to just trade and get some assets for Aaron Fournier or Evan. Yeah, Evan Fournier. Okay, I don't know why I thought I said his name wrong, but 
Fournier is another guy. Uh, George Hill is another guy on the Thunder. So I guess I'm just going to name guys that I think are probably going to get traded. George Hill, uh, he, you know, he was traded from Milwaukee to in to the Pelicans for the Drew Holiday trade, then gets traded to the Thunder and is on this rebuilding team that are playing a bunch of young guys uh, along with Al Horford on that team. So George Hill is a guy that a lot of contending teams would want, a nice backup point guard. You know, I think the Clippers are a great, great place for George Hill to go. You know, Lou Williams is becoming a guy that well, not becoming, but he's always been a guy that you can't trust in the playoffs because teams are just going to go at him in a series defensively. And it, him being on the court just hurts his team more than, you know, the team benefits from him being on the court. So uh, George Hill, I think, is a nice little trade piece. The Thunder are obviously just looking to get assets. They're trying to tank. Well, tank as best as possible they're not doing a great job at it right now because they're actually kind of winning some games but um the thunder for sure are trying to just get assets and just prep for this next draft because it's loaded right um you know i mentioned before kelly Oubre and lonzo ball on this podcast especially when the rumors came out and it's funny that both players have actually been playing relatively well since after you know the rumors came out like two weeks ago Lonzo has been shooting extremely well having some of his best games as a pro during this last span especially against the Pacers where he was knocking down threes in the fourth quarter um you know when it comes down to these two guys it's pretty much coming down to the to whether the Pelicans or the Warriors right really believe that these two players will be a media part of their future as someone who watches every Warrior game and, you know, is a Warriors fan, Kelly Oubre is interesting because he's so on and off, right? He has really great games. He just had his career high against the Mavs on Thursday. And then, then he has bad games like he just had on Saturday against the Mavs, right? He's so on and off, but he has a, a specific role on this team. And... It's really hard to see him re-signing or, or the Warriors offering an offer sheet, you know, at the end of the season to re-sign him and extend him because so far he just hasn't been working out in the system that Steve Kerr wants to play. And it really just depends if the Warriors want to keep him after the season. Because if they don't, then they really need to trade him to get, you know, something out of his contract. They can't just let him, well, they could let him walk, but, you know, Bob Myers or any GM for that matter wants to get something out of an expiring contract. You just have to, or else you just lose the asset for not getting anything. And it's just, you know, negative dividends and stuff like that. So, and same thing with Lonzo Ball. He's a restricted free agent. He's going to be earning pretty big contract because of his skill set and his name and just, you know, oh, if, if the Pelicans can give up on this lottery pick, maybe it goes to this other team and he could do well. You know, that's what a lot of teams are thinking about when it comes to this young lottery pick who has had struggles, but has still has a lot of upside. A lot of teams are be looking like that. 
And if that Ubre and Lonzo deal is still a thing on the table for the Pelicans Warriors, then you know it, it gives them a chance to kind of look at their future if like oh if we're really not going to re-sign Lonzo Ball in free agency then we need to trade him and whether it comes now or later whether they you know they do a sign and trade or something like that in the offseason you know then that can happen as well but these two guys it really just depends if the Warriors and the and the Pelicans you know believe that they have a future with these two guys um and next up or last lastly Bradley Beal Bradley Beal um I've been reading a lot and a lot of NBA executives have been saying that he's not going to get traded or you know we shouldn't expect him to be moved before the deadline here's a guy that you know has Express his frustration with losing, but never so frustration with like the actual team. And that's also really interesting because it seems like he's saying all the right. Well, he is saying all the right things that he wants to win in Washington, but there has been no leaks or rumors that he has asked for, you know, has requested to be traded. It really does seem like he wants to stay and kind of get this team or, you know, get the team to the playoffs and have success with this team. It doesn't seem like he's going to give up and, you know, request a trade. And as respectable as that is, it's, I think it's a death sentence. I mean, this franchise is going to be haunted by this Westbrook contract in the next couple of years. Um, Westbrook looks like a guy that is washed and he can't stay on the court and the rest of the team is just bad or they're just too young. Rui Hachimura, fine player. Denny Avdia, we don't know yet. He's okay. Uh, Isaac Bonga, Thomas Bryant, Davis Bertans, who just got an $80 million contract this offseason. You know, like... I don't know how they get better unless it's internally because they don't really have money to really sign another max player. Are players in free agency looking to go to join Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook in Washington? I don't think so. And a lot of their young players are kind of up in the air right now. We don't know. Is Rui Hachimura going to be an all-star? I don't know. Is Denny Avdia going to be an all-star? Who knows? Like, no one really knows the future of this team. And the fact that Bradley Beal just kind of wants to stay and, and stick it out. I mean, credit, credit to him. He's trying to do it, you know, like Dame Lillard. Like, all these other stars who don't want to leave and want to win in their city. That's fine. But I think the expectations that of Bradley Beal to be traded should be gone. It doesn't look like it unless this random team is going to come out and offer him a boatload. Like, that's what I'm thinking, too. Like, if if teams offer Washington just a boat, a boatload, you know, just a ton of picks, like a ton of 
pick swaps and some contracts and, 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 and a young player that they can believe in. I mean, that's enough for Bradley Beal. It's not like Bradley Beal is, is this superstar that has been a winning player. Like, I don't know why a lot of the NBA is valuing, valuing him like James Harden or like this. You know, he still needs to be traded to the right team. He's not going to be traded to a team and automatically, you know, they're going to be a title favorite unless it's like the Clippers or the Lakers. Um, So, you know, this whole Bradley Beal situation, I think we should just really lower expectations. If not, you know, if it's lowered already, but I don't think he's going to be traded. And it seems like this trade deadline is going to be pretty quiet because Bradley Beal is the kind of the biggest name out there. Whether there's a trade from, you know, out there or not, we have, you know, about a month or so to see. But, you know, the Rockets, the Magic, I think the Thunder, and, you know, maybe the Warriors or the Pelicans, uh, maybe the Mavs have a move to make. Um, If the Sixers want to make a a marginal move, maybe the Clippers as well, you know, if they try to actually get that backup point guard. Um. But I think it's just going to be a lot of marginal trades that shake up the playoff push and, and things like that. And other teams preparing for the next couple of years. So that's my take on the trade deadline so far. But uh, next coming weeks, we're going to have more episodes with other guests. Um, just going to try to get other people on here. I'm sorry for the, you know, the late upload, but just been a little busy recently. And, uh, you know, now that the Super Bowl is over, uh, all the talk is going to be up about the NBA and I can't wait and hopefully the league continues to stay safe and everything like that so until the next episode of the Dishes and Dimes podcast please follow me on Twitter at Obey Oblena and yeah until next time peace <laughs>